Holy, holy are you, Lord. We give you all praise, all honor, all glory. There is none like you. And we are thrilled to be adopted sons and daughters. And we are excited tonight to examine your word a little bit, see if we can learn a little bit more about how we can walk in holiness with you. So please, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and enlighten us, open our eyes to truth for your name's sake. It is in the name of Jesus we pray this. Amen. So we're, we're uh, proceeding through the book of Philippians. And uh, how many of you in here are saints? How many of you? Oh, there were a few of you that weren't there the first week. Or you're just being wimpy or something. You're all saints. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a saint. You are a saint. And that means you're set apart for him. Set apart from the world. You are not supposed to be just like everybody else anymore. You have chosen to be a follower of Jesus Christ. King of kings, Lord of lords, the awesome, holy, perfect one. And he says, be ye holy even as I am holy. And the cool thing is that when we receive his gift, we become holy. And the Father then looks at us through the blood of Jesus and sees holiness. And sometimes that's really hard to believe, isn't it? Because we know just how twisted and goofy we are. But that is the power of the blood of Jesus. Amen? And we need to remember that and relish it and rejoice in it. And then what we're going to talk about tonight is we need to learn to live like it. We need to learn then, see the work's been done for us to be redeemed, to become his children. And God already sees us then through the blood of Jesus as being holy. But now, we need to learn how to live like saints. But you're all saints already, okay? Remember that. The next week when I ask, you need to just say, I'm, I'm a saint, and raise your hand. By the way, I love you. I miss Pastor D. We're going to move on to uh, verse 6 in Philippians chapter 1. And this happens to be my life verse. Philippians 1.6, it says this, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Uh, I was the <clears throat> Douglas County chaplain at the, at the Douglas County Jail. And so I had the privilege of going in, and <laughs> when my my buddy, pastor friend, uh, asked me to do this. I really wasn't interested in going into the jail. I had enough to do already. I was busy. I, how many of you would like to just go into the jail to visit with people? It's, it's not one of the things that is on your bucket list, is it? And it wasn't on mine either. And I... I wasn't excited, but I really had a lot of respect for this buddy, and so I thought, I'll, I'll just get him off my back. I'll go one time. I'll go in, and we'll, uh, we'll check this out, 
And what we would do is we'd go in once a week and have a Bible study with inmates that were wanting to, a lot of them just wanted to get out of their cell for a while. But there were some who really were wanting to change because they'd hit bottom and they were hungry to become different. And so we went in that night. And as we sat there, and I shared just a brief word, I could tell that the Holy Spirit was at work. And there were a couple of guys that had been super hard when we came in, and they, you know, always, always trying to act tough. And, and as I shared the word of God, the Holy Spirit obviously was moving because they started, a couple of them started to break down. And they weren't acting. God was at work. And we had a wonderful time that night. Now most of them came, heard their thing, went back. A couple of them came after, afterwards and said, please, can I see you? Can we talk more about this? I really want to change. I really want to change. And I was hooked. I became the Douglas County chaplain. I was there for 10 years until, until we moved on from Roseburg. And what was interesting is there were people who had experienced different levels of uh, disaster in their life, of making horrible choices and making pain for their families and trouble and losing a, a lot of, whether it was good jobs or family situations. And they were really, really desperate. And they heard about the grace of God and they would, they would come and they would say, yes, I want Jesus. And I would come and meet with them on a regular basis and try and disciple them, get them ready. What we discovered as we worked there, and Rhonda started working there as well with the ladies, was that if they had had drug issues when they came in, they would come in and they would, they would be serious about changing and getting right and healthy. But what we discovered is the day they got out, do you know who was the first person to meet them as they came out of the jail? It was their dealer. Their dealer would be right there. And the chances of them moving on were really slim. Even though they'd had an emotional, serious experience with God and they decided they're going to change their ways and be different. Most of them would fall back into the old ways of life. And it broke our hearts. Uh, it was a painful thing to watch at times. There was also those wonderful stories where ones would plug away and they would invest and they would seek the Lord and, and they're still walking with the Lord today and doing great, healthy, turned around. But it's not easy. And even for you and I, we may not have had a, a big drug issue, or, but we all, we've all had our issues, haven't we? There's something in life that has been a challenge for us to leave behind. And it's one thing to make a decision to follow after Christ and to be a Christ follower, be a Christian. And yeah, I want to I be just like Jesus. But becoming like Jesus is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Now we're going to look at 
some very encouraging things. But I want to suggest to you that the first thing that we need to keep in mind if we're going to really live like a saint is this. A true saint recognizes the basis of his sainthood. In other words, he, he recognizes and remembers how did he even get to be a saint. And that's in Philippians 1, 3 to 5. It says, and this is Paul speaking, I thank God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. This was where it all started. This is where it starts for everyone. If you're going to have a change of life, if you're going to become a Christ follower, you've got to participate in the gospel. You've got to hear the gospel first, receive the gospel into your life. And then allow that to transform you and seek after that transformation over time. And we'll talk about that here. Ephesians 2 verses 1 to 9 says this. And what I want you to recognize is who's transforming here? Who's making the difference? Where does this sainthood and salvation and new life come from? Listen to this. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Let me ask you this. What can a dead man do to get saved? A dead man can't do a thing. A dead man can't even come to Jesus. A dead man, dead, there's no pull, there, there's nothing there. Do you realize that it's God who even is drawing you to himself? It's a the, the big biblical or, or the theological word for that is prevenient grace. It means his grace that even before we knew him, he made himself known to us. He did whatever it took to open our eyes and help us to realize. You realize that most people in America have heard the gospel. Now that's becoming less and less true and we got to get busy. We got to get at it. But it used to be in America... Christian nation, everybody knew the gospel. But not everybody chose to really seek after the Lord with all their heart. What's the difference? I believe it is God. Listen to these words now. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. It means you were totally unable to do anything in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. <laughs> wow. What a nasty description for somebody, children of wrath. But we really were. We deserve the wrath of God. We had sinned. We had chosen to disregard him. And we deserve the wrath of God. Children of wrath. Even as the rest. Now, here's the great part. But God. But God, being rich in mercy. Because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him. 
seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Who did the saving? It was all God. It was all God. It was all God. When we get to heaven, it is why we will all fall on our faces before him and give him all glory. It's why today we worship and adore him and give him glory. If we lose sight of the fact that I owe everything to him, if we get fooled into thinking that, if, that yeah, yeah, he, he did die for me, but I also, I also am being really good. Do you realize that has no power over your salvation? Do you understand that? It's not by works of righteousness which we have done. It's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. Amen? And so a, a true saint recognizes this, the basis of their sainthood. Where does it come from? It's all Jesus. So that keeps us at this place of being humble and thankful. And Have you ever noticed that people are humble and thankful, are beautiful people? They are the most beautiful people, the most delightful people to be around. And that's what we should be like. Number two, <clears throat> a true saint recognizes the need for more work in his life. Now, it's true that our actual salvation, our transfer from being children of wrath into children of the living God, that was, that was done by Christ through his sacrifice applied to our lives. And we went from being dead in our trespasses and sin to being alive in him. Amen? That's a done deal. When he hung on the cross and breathed, just before he breathed that last breath, he said, it is finished. What was he talking about? He was talking about the fact that the total payment for Steve Sherman to be redeemed was done. Totally. The total payment for Michael, the total payment for Eric, the total payment for Mia, the total payment for you was paid then and there. There's no adding to it and there's no taking away from it. However, I don't know if you've noticed this in your life, but I don't always act like Jesus. I, I tell you what, I don't like thinking back on how unlike Jesus I have been in my life. It's really humbling. It really is. 
But he loves us. And he started the process the day that we chose to receive that gift from him. And here's Philippians 1, 6 again. It says, for I am confident. This is Paul talking about the Philippian people. And he's saying, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I don't believe it's the work of salvation that's being perfected. perfected. It's that that salvation, we are learning to live in it. We are learning to live in the fullness of it. We are learning to put it to practice in our lives. We have been, been set free from the sin nature. We have been set free. Now the problem is, it's kind of like uh, we've been living in a, uh, an apartment complex. And, and along comes some wonderful person and says, I am going to purchase your apartment and you never have to pay the landlord again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy that thing, so no matter, that's, that's now yours, I'm giving it to you. The problem is, the next day there's a knock at your door. Who is it? Well, it's the old landlord. And he says, no, no, you, you owe me. You owe me. This is my place. Satan does that with us. He comes and he says, you, you can't really, really, really change like this. Don't you realize, haven't you seen what you've done? And what you, you still say some of the same things. You still do some of the same things. Are you really changed? Can you really be free? And we have to learn to say, yes, I am free. We have to learn to say, yes, I am bought by the blood of Jesus. I am redeemed. And stand in the salvation that Christ paid at such a high price to win for us. But it really is not an easy thing, is it, to become Christ-like? I have found that to be quite a challenge. I, I had the privilege of being born into a Christian home. My dad was a pastor. Got saved when I was seven. We were at a Bible camp, summer Bible camp, and I wanted to, I wanted to receive Jesus as my Savior, and I did. And I got baptized, and, and I, I would go back, and I'd get saved every summer because I'd hear the word again, and I knew there was some issue, and I didn't understand fully all of the uh, aspects. And it's not that I was being saved again. I just I didn't understand the whole thing. But I was hungry for Jesus. I wanted to be a Christ follower. So I, I get saved. I really have quite an experience when I'm a senior in high school. Our, my family, my dad moved to a different church before my senior year. After my junior year, we moved. Had the whole summer. I didn't know anybody yet at the new school. I was a bored young man, and it was a wonderful time because I actually learned to talk to the Lord. I actually learned how to really pray. I didn't have anything else to interrupt or just, just uh, distract me from it. And I had this wonderful time of really seeking Jesus. And I think that's when I really made my adult decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If that makes sense. And then I went off to Bible college. Studied to be a pastor. 
became a pastor, went back to seminary to got my Master of Divinity. All this while, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. But do you know, all this while, I'm also still struggling with sin issues in my life. Longing to be like Jesus. Wanting so much to be a, a godly man, especially knowing that I'm called into the pastorate. I want to be a godly man. I don't want to be one of those guys that you hear about, the, the TV evangelists and those crazy, you know, that, that fall and cause all kinds of troubles for the body of Christ. And yet I struggled with sin issues in my life. And there were times when I was so discouraged, so discouraged because I've got this issue and I'm thinking, Boy, I bet, I bet other people don't have this kind of an issue that, that you know, they, they seem to be getting their act together. They seem to be doing well. And at times I was so discouraged that I, I wondered if maybe I just wasn't going to be able to cut it. And obviously I wasn't getting the right kind of teaching at, at times to, to have that very clear in my mind that, it, that I truly was a child of God, but I needed to learn how to become a healthy child of God. I needed to learn how to walk like a saint. And becoming a saint and walking like a saint are two different things. It's the same power that's available, though, and that's the great news. The same power that redeemed us and brought us from the dead into life is the same power that's available to help us to learn how to walk. Ephesians 4, starting at verse 11, says, And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. For what? For equipping of the saints for the work of service. To the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature Man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. This doesn't happen automatically. We have to be in the body and under this special grace that God gave and these gifts that He gave and the people that He gave with the gifts who are then going to teach us and encourage us. It's been a real failure of the church in America, I believe to really specifically and carefully disciple people. You realize that the Great Commission, Matthew 28, it says, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to all, and, and what? Teach them to obey everything that I have commanded. Not just get them saved. Not just get them to pray the sinner's prayer. That's just the beginning. The real challenge is to teach them to obey everything I have commanded. I'm, we are like infants. I am so delighted to be a grandfather. I've got four grandkids. They're such a delight to me. And I've got a, our, our one-year-old, little Leilani, for some reason has taken to grandpa. Now, they all love me, but they usually go to grandma. Grandma is the special one. But little Leilani, for some reason, just wants grandpa. She sees grandma and says, no, where's grandpa? It's a beautiful thing. I'm loving it. 
But it's so interesting to watch. We have to do everything for little Leilani. We've got to watch her all the time so that she doesn't hurt herself. And she falls down and we have to pick her up. And we have to feed her and it's this whole process. And I, th- I think it's really hard for us as adults to, to see ourselves like that. But spiritually, that's what we often are like. And if we don't deal with issues early on as Christians, they continue to, to come back in our lives. And the challenge of being a true saint and living like a saint is very real. Okay, where was I here? Yeah, to a mature man. As a result, we are no longer to be children. It's not right for us to stay immature. It's not right for us to continue to dawdle with sin and and allow immaturity and unhealth in our lives. We are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. The body of Christ is to be this beautiful place where we encourage and build up and love one another and challenge and, and even receive the, the rebuke and the correction of our, of our elders and leaders. The good work, number three, that we really need is our transformation. There needs to be a transformation. There was a transformation of our, of our soul when we were redeemed. We came to life. God breathed his life into us and took us from de- being dead in our trespasses and sins to alive in him. But now we still battle not against flesh and blood, but against the forces of darkness. And our old man still hanging around, and he's an ugly dude. This good work that we need is our transformation into Christ's likeness. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1-5 says this, Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more, for you know that uh, what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. This is the will of God, your sanctification. This is the will of God. This is what God wants from you. I'll never forget when I was just out of Bible college. Actually, while I was in Bible college, I, I went to Japan for the summer. And did a missionary tour thing. And it was a great, great experience. But I came back from that and I was so fired up and so uh, passionate to help save the lost that I, I felt like, man, it's really a waste of time to be at Bible college. I should be out there. And fortunately, uh, somebody talked me you know, off the ledge and said, no, 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 you, you've got a lot of learning to do yet, man. And I, I did. 
I had a lot of growing up to do before I launched out there and, and uh, changed the world. But I, I wanted to. But I needed this transformation, this sanctification to happen in me. It had been started. But there was a lot of work yet to be done. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, and it's, it's talking here specifically about the issue of sexual immorality, but this goes with any issue of, of our lives. Your sanctification, that is that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess your own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. And again, that lustful passion can be, it can be a sexual issue, but it can also be just for other worldly things. And that's got to change. We need to become like Christ, and that's what sanctification. Sanctification is, actually comes from the same root word that saint comes from. We are being set apart from the world, from the old ways, unto God. That's the process of sanctification, is that transformation happening. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore I urge you, here's Paul pleading with the Romans, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? How do we get transformed? How does it happen? By renewing our minds. See, our minds get so twisted by our culture, by this world, by the way that we live, by what we sit down and watch, by who we listen to, who we hang out with. And Paul pleads with them, and I believe the Holy Spirit calls and pleads with each of us, do not be conformed to this world. My heart aches. Sometimes churches try really, really hard to look just like the world so it'll be really easy for people to come in. I don't believe that's anything what we ought to do. We ought to be trying so hard to be like Jesus that the world has something to see that's, oh, this is really different. This is really different. We need to be like Jesus. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Number four, a true saint makes this transformation his goal in life. This doesn't just happen automatically. Again, I, I tell you, I went through stages in my early years where I was passionate. I wanted to be like Jesus. I really wanted to be that guy who was so sold out to Jesus and really lived holy and healthy. A few months later, I'd find myself doing some of the same old things, being unhealthy and destructive. And it was so discouraging and so uh, frustrating. 
but we need to make it a goal, our goal in life. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you. I want you to notice here that this transformation isn't just stopping doing unhealthy things. Being like Jesus isn't just that we don't drink, smoke, or go out with girls who do. It's that we love. Instead of do what our flesh wants, we love. We really look out for the interests of others. We really try and make a difference. We serve and give our life as a sacrifice in this world for the sake of the kingdom. Walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Hmm. Number five, notice this is a lifelong process. And that's where this verse became my life, life verse because I would get discouraged, but then I'd stumble over this verse again and my heart would leap. Because there's this promise in Philippians 1, 6 that says, I'm confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? That has been my lifeline so many times when I was getting discouraged and, and thinking I'm never going to change. I'm never going to be like Jesus. But he would bring me back to this verse and remind me, I'm I will get you there. Get back here with me. Repent. And let me get back to work on you. And tonight he wants to say that to you. Don't give up. No matter how many times you've failed, no matter how many times you've embarrassed yourself by failing miserably at being like Jesus, at being a saint. Satan will come again and he'll say, see, you'll never make it. You'll never make it. He's a liar. And you need to learn when you hear that, that's, his, that's always his voice. The Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is calling you about something, it's always, come back. I want to restore you. Come back, turn away from your sin and let me heal you. That's the voice of the Lord. If the voice is you, lousy, good for nothing, you're probably, you're so bad, that's not the voice of the king. Shame is from the enemy. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. Amen? Big difference. It's a lifelong process. Philippians 3, 12 to 14 says, Not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect. And this is Paul speaking. Paul who had this incredible experience on the road to Damascus where he actually saw Jesus to the extent that it blinded him and he was transformed and he went from killing Christians to being willing to be killed for Christ. And he says, I have not already obtained it I have, or, have, or have already become perfect. I haven't. But I press on. I press on so that I may lay hold 
of that for which also I was laid a hold of by Christ. And here's the encouraging thing, brother, sister in Christ. Jesus saved you knowing it was going to be a challenge to transform you. Knowing it wasn't going to be an overnight process, but he was going to love you the entire way through. No matter how many times you failed, no matter how many times you were a disappointment, he loves you. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. (laughs) Paul. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's real. It's not an ethereal dream or idea that you can be like Jesus. But be patient and yet at the same time be passionate because we play a part in this too. We play a part in this. Notice, number six, God is the one who began the process and God is the one who will perfect it. God is the one who began the process and he is the one who will perfect it. Once again, Philippians 1.6, I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And then look at Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Do you know one of the problems I had is I'd, I'd fail and struggle, and I think, oh, I need, there must be something else I need that I haven't discovered yet. I need to go to another, I need to go to another conference. Where I'll, where I'll have some great experience again. And I was always looking for the next uh, spiritual experience, spiritual high thing, uh, to help me in this process. Now, don't get me wrong. It's good for us to take extra time. It, in fact, I highly encourage, go to conferences, go to those things, seek the Lord. But there's not going to be an overnight transformation. There will be an overnight experience that takes you another step, that gives you some more information, that gives you some more encouragement, that helps you get back at what you need to get back at, but it's not the experience that we need. It's the continual daily presence of God and giving ourselves to him day by day that this transformation takes place. There's no easy way. There's no easy way. It's just like if, if you wanted to get buff. I, <laughs> I am doing so good in my spiritual disciplines, but I also have made a goal of getting in shape physically. <laughs> I'm failing miserably. Every Tuesday I have to go to my, my accountability group, and I, I didn't do good again, and again at that, guys, and, and I, I just am struggling with that. But you know what? I'm, I'm okay with that because the spiritual stuff is way more important. It really is. I'm not just making an excuse there. It is. But I'd like to do the physical too, because if I do the physical too, I can be that much more healthy in the process of, 
of uh, doing whatever God has set aside for me to do for the rest of my days. Anyway, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Everything we need has already been, it's been provided. See? Just as he chose us in him, and this is a beautiful thing to remember, folks. He chose you. So don't give up. He chose you. He chose you. You are one of his. <laughs> is that incredible or what? I think about that and I'm, what? You know me. You chose me? He did. Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. <laughs> Not only did he choose me, he chose me before the world was even made. That we would be what? Holy and blameless before him. Ah, it's coming. It's coming. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. According to what? The kind intention of his will. It was his will. It was his will. It's not that I... Oh, Jesus, please, please, please save me. And he just, oh, all right. That's not what happened. I wasn't even paying attention, and he was loving me and waiting for the day when I would really seek him and serve him. According to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace. He gets all the glory, doesn't he? which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. According to the riches of his grace. Our forgiveness isn't according to anything else. It's according to the riches of his. How rich is his grace? It's incredible. It's endless. It's It's incredible. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. Boy, I love this passage. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he proposed, purposed in him with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. Obtained, it's already obtained. Having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Woo! I can't read that passage without getting pumped. It's beautiful. It's incredible. Some of you seem a little excited. Number seven. 
Here's the great news. Here's the great news about this, this whole issue. The great news is he's the one that's going to do it. And he is, number seven, omniscient. He is omniscient. There is nothing that passes by. There's nothing that, that's going to happen or that you're going to pull that he's going to go, oh, I didn't think about that. That's never going to happen. Look at Romans 8, 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. He is interceding for us. Beautiful. He wants this as bad as you want it. He wants it more than you want it. Number eight, more great news. Not only is he omniscient, but he is omnipotent. He is omnipotent, all-powerful, and there is nothing that he can accomplish. Romans 8, 28 to 31. And we know that God causes all things to work together to, for good to those who love God. Now, I tell you, there were some stretches of my life that I thought, oh my goodness, he's got to be done with me. There's no way he can use this. But here I am today, more in love with him, healthier, more along the line of, of being Christ-like by his grace, by his working things out, even when I was a bonehead. We know that God causes all things to work together. Now, now, it's not an excuse to go and do whatever you want to do. You know that, right? Yeah. He causes all things to work together for, to, for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. Did you hear that? He predestined you to become conformed. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He wants this. And that's my hope. He wants this. Not just me. He wants this. He wants me to be like him. There's hope. If it were up to me, it was a done deal. It wasn't happening. But he wants this to happen. Sweet. Great news. Number nine. Not only is he omniscient and omnipotent, but he is good. He is good. He is so good that the, the word good seems just, just, just doesn't do it. He is so wonderful. Here's Romans 8, 32 to 39. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not 
also with him freely give us all things. Now, what's it talking about? Give, give me stuff? No, he's going to give us the valuable things. There is nothing that we need for becoming like Jesus. There is nothing that we need for this transformation, sanctification process that he will not provide. He's going to make it available. He already has. He is good. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Against us. God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Another passage is just, just beautiful. He is so good, isn't he? Amen. The question is this. The question is this. He's going to do it. He's provided everything. He loves us. He is omniscient, omnipotent, and good. The question is, number 10, to what extent will I cooperate with God and expedite the transformation? Does that make sense? The question is, am I going to cooperate <laughs> Or am I going to just not pay attention, go my own way, and then he's got to do things to get my attention again? Now, the, the good thing is he loves me enough that he's done that a few times in my life. There were times when I was not paying attention, and he would bring something painful and ugly, or he'd allow it, that would cause me to stop and say, what in the world am I doing and I'd get back at his feet again. But oh, the days for that are, they're, they're done. That's way past. Isn't it? Shouldn't it be? I mean, we all ought to be at the place where we're, we're done. We're done with toying with the world. We're done with conforming and allowing compromise. We... Want Jesus. I, I want Jesus. I want him all the time. I want to be like him. I want to be in his word. I want to quit wasting time watching the tube. I want to quit wasting time uh, with the things that used to be pulled, that used to pull me away from him because I've, uh, it's been way too clear, way too emphasized. They're garbage. They're nothing compared to knowing him and becoming like him. Amen? Amen. So, 
You going to cooperate? It, it's, really a, it's really a daily thing, isn't it? I don't like getting up early. And I, and I don't say this to break. I should be so much farther ahead in my transformation than I am. But I get up every morning at 4.45. I don't have to be at work till 7.45. But I know that if I don't set aside time and really seek Jesus, I'll get in trouble. I'll get sidetracked. I will lose ground in this whole process. And I want this. I'm tired of anything less. So I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. How about you? Will you join me in this? Will you keep making this pursuit? I I know you want to. I can tell. Those of you that are are here on Wednesday nights, you you really, you usually really want to, you really want to follow Jesus. You aren't interested in just playing games. You're not doing this for a, religious activity. You love Jesus. That's, that's why I'm really growing to, to love you. Love seeing you. Hope to continue to build relationships with all of you. Please know that I'm praying for you and I want to ask you to keep praying for me. But pray specifically for this because this is, this is my longing. It is my desire and I, I hope it's yours as well. I'm praying that Even if it's not, that God will do this in you. And I I believe it is. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are so faithful. You are worthy of all praise, all honor, all glory, all blessing. There truly is none like you. Not only are you our creator, But even before creating us, you planned and predestined us to be adopted as sons and daughters with the very clear intention and plan to transform us from being twisted, foolish humans to sanctified saints, children of the living God, all so that one day you will parade us before heaven and all of the hosts, I believe, of heaven and of the enemy will marvel that you were able to take us And transform us and make us into brothers and sisters, children of the living God. Oh God, tonight we say to you, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, we agree. We choose to cooperate. We choose to seek you with our whole heart so that you can do exactly what you want, how you want, when you want to do it. Help us, Jesus. And I pray for the ones who have been discouraged and were, were uh, hmm, losing hope. Oh, Jesus, may your spirit 
Remind them tonight that they have nothing to fear. That you love them and you will get the job done. We praise you, Jesus. And we pray these things in your omnipotent, omniscient, all good name, Jesus. Amen.